Hello, and welcome to Get Wrecked. I am your host, Stephen Falgu. And I'm your other host, Louis Falgu. And Get Wrecked is our occasionally bi-weekly podcast I am your where host. Stephen and I, two brothers, two siblings, uh, recommend pieces of media to each other, something, some, some sort of media to each other at the end of every episode. And then in the next episode, we come back to discuss those recommendations. At this point, I think you could probably just call it an occasional podcast. <laughs> the occasional po- Hey, well, you know, we do tend to do it on the same day of the week when uh, we that's do it. True. So, I mean, that's something, right? That That is true. And we're still here, still kicking. Yeah, somehow. We're on episode, episode 34. The big 3-4, the, another big, the big event. Big, The biggest milestone. I, mean, I think this is the... Um, the cheddar anniversary is that right the 34th anniversary i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> you know okay. how there's like the wood anniversary and the diamond anniversary oh, oh yeah right. this one i think is the cheddar okay because this is where we get that cheese that big money yeah for sure because i'd like to introduce our first official sponsor that's right everyone this is where we'll insert the sponsor in post, Lewis. So we'll have to remember after we get our first sponsor, we'll insert this in post retroactively and we'll cut this part out. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, okay. we're recording this and are going to put it up later. So no one's going to hear this part, which yeah. is yeah, really yeah, nice. Yeah. I, I wanted to okay, say. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's get back. Okay, ready? Okay. And <laughs> thank you to that wonderful sponsor once again. Yeah, the sponsor. What a good sponsor they are. I, uh, I wanted to, to point out, and I think this is very special for our Cheddar anniversary today, um, the two things we're going to be, talk of, we're going to be talking about are um, polar opposites, I think, in some way. So that makes it Cheddar, because Cheddar is the polar opposite to something that isn't Cheddar? Mm-hmm. Sharp, sharp Cheddar is the polar opposite... To mild cheddar. Right. And I think we should start with the mild cheddar. And that is what you recommended, Lewis, if you'd like to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, so last episode, I recommended to Steven the Andrew WK album, I Get Wet. This was Andrew WK's debut studio album. And um, I really don't think that there's anything else I can add that I'm sure Steven isn't going to add shortly afterwards so i'm gonna let you go ahead lewis i just want to start by talking about i read something about this album so um i'm sure everyone's looking at the album art right now if you're joining us online on the stream um in i get wet's album art it's andrew wk with kind of blood going down his face so I read something online that he hit himself in the face with a brick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's uh, to do that. But and then he added some he added some blood as well, but some of that blood is just him having struck him face himself in the face with a brick. Well, what I read was that he struck himself with a brick multiple times and it didn't produce enough blood for the album art, so they still had to end up adding animal blood anyway like wow that that sucks <laughs> and that's the kind of genius that you can expect from andrew wk and his album 
I get wet because sometimes listening to it feels like you're hitting yourself in the face with a brick, to be quite honest. But I'll talk a little bit about this album. It's very much centered around the concept of partying with such songs as Party Hard, Party Till You Puke. Basically, the guy really likes to party. He's even become a motivational speaker on the power of partying. But to talk about this album specifically, oh, and how could I forget It's Time to Party, the first album, or the first track of the album. Just talking about the album as a whole, I love Party Hard. This album is very dumb. I want to just get that out of the way, like, first and foremost. But in, like, the best way. Like, you listen to this and you're like, this is so stupid. But I love it. And that's all I could think of as I was listening to every single one of these tracks. Some of them actually have some pretty interesting things going on. For the most part, though, it's just kind of like rock guitar and him screaming about how he likes to party. Yeah, a lot of partying, puking as well, uh, in Party Till You Puke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, ha- I have to say, um, this album, it kind of feels to me like somebody taking just in the world's longest pixie stick and force-feeding it down your throat for the course of 30 or so minutes, um... You will be so overloaded with sugar that you will likely puke, which I guess is a good thing because he does encourage you to party till you puke on this album. And uh, by the time that song comes on, you probably already have, but (laughs) it it doesn't stop from there. There's this, there's this like blend of bright keyboards and melodic guitar passages with like, arena rock and even metal and it's i mean it's it's different um i I, it's like it it really is like he's trying to overload you with fun to such an insane hyperactive level that i think it's kind of painful um but me, I guess the the album art reflects that. Maybe that was the point. I don't know. I just want to mention that one of his influences that he lists is the USA for Africa charity track, We Are the World. Did you get that influence from this? <laughs> I didn't know that. No. I really feel We Are the World as I'm listening to him scream about partying. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Okay, here's the thing. So this album has actually garnered some degree of acclaim. It certainly has a cult following. I think WK is respected to some degree. I mean, it's kind of like half ironic and half not. But then again, I get the impression that like WK himself operates that way too. Um, like he's definitely sincere, but he, he has to be aware that this is very dumb. Um, especially considering the fact that I'm pretty sure... Well, no, I know he started off as an avant-garde pianist. Uh, so going from that to this, I mean, you have to know what you're doing to some degree. But, you know, I, I guess people kind of have come to respect this in the same way that I guess you are. And that it is like 
just a shot of insane dumb fun to such a ridiculous degree that like you can't help but like it and i will definitely acknowledge that the album is enjoyable in a sense i mean i, I find it very funny and it's short enough where i can't oh that's nice it's short enough where um i struggle uh -oh. to hate it um, our sponsor is calling Yeah, our sponsor is calling the unnamed sponsor oh no don't say it then they won't all right that'll shut up eventually i'm sure i'll just have to wait for it Oh, nope, don't say it again. Okay, yeah, well, that was something. It's Andrew WK calling. He's upset about what I'm about to say. I, um, I, I, the thing is, though, like, I can't, I just cannot get behind this. Like, to me, this is, this is just insanely, insanely stupid. And I, I get that's kind of part of the charm, but, like, it's so, it, it it's, God, that is still going, isn't it? I should just mute myself for a moment, but I'm not even going to. I'm just going to keep talking. Um, it's like, for one thing, the production of this album is so, like, ridiculously, ludicrously loud the entire time. Like, there is absolutely no sense of dynamics on this album. It's just shoving volume in your face the whole time. And I just, like, it's just, it's, it's overkill to some degree. And also his vocal performance. I mean, he sounds like he's about to puke the whole time, which I guess is appropriate. Um, but it doesn't exactly do it for me. I think my favorite tracks on this album are the stupidest ones because that's where this thing I think shines, honestly. So tracks like Party Hard, Ready to Die. I like uh, I Get Wet. That's the one that has something at least sort of interesting going on. There's some backup vocalists that make like a backup. She comes in for, I think... To at least two tracks and i get what is one of them yeah i actually but um, for the most part it's just like him screaming and yelling about partying and those are the ones where he's screamingest and yellingest about partying and so those are the ones that i like the most i actually because it makes me want to go out and party yeah well i i uh i actually like I like Ready to Die and I Get Wet. Those are the two songs I like. I think Ready to Die is the one time where I can kind of get behind the ridiculousness here because I think it's pushed to such an, ex an insane degree on that song that it is very entertaining. Um, like, if I feel like if the album were going that, that absurd for the entirety of it, I would probably like it. I just don't... I think the rest of it, being that it's about parties, it's just not stupid enough. It's, like, stupid, but it's not stupid enough. It's so, um, I don't know. When, when, when I'm ready to die when he's singing about killing you and it's got this, like, ludicrously happy melody. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's funny. But so much of it is just, it's about partying and it sounds like it's about partying. It's just, like, okay, uh, not, not really, um, I'm not very impressed by that. And uh, I also got to say that the song I Love New York City is, <laughs> I just, it's just fucking horrible. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> like, it, uh, the, the, his vocals on that song are absolutely obnoxious. I mean, I guess they are in everything, but here it's like a whole nother level. And the song is just so glaringly dumb, but for, but it's not even like, I don't even know if it's self-aware of it being that dumb or what. I have no clue. Um, it's just like a terrible pop song with, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, it almost feels like to me, when I was listening to some of the tracks, it felt like in some of the tracks, like he was actually kind of trying. 
And those were the worst ones. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say, like, I I think there is there's novelty to this album. But again, I don't think I'm I'm I don't really feel like I'm laughing along with Andrew W.K., the opening to this album is pretty funny. Like, it starts on this quiet, chugging metal guitar, and you think it's, like, going to be, like, you know, something super heavy. And then the f- and then this incredibly loud snare drum kicks in with the bright-as-hell keyboard as he yells, it's time to party. And uh, give him credit. I guess that was a... That's one way to wake you up at the beginning of the album. But, like, my God, that song is... It's just so bad. I just can't... <sighs> I just can't get behind this, I guess. And I, I mean, I know people can, and I, I, I can see what there is to appreciate maybe about being this dumb, but I kind of just wish it went farther, to be honest. Even though it seems like it goes pretty far, I think the fact that it doesn't go completely into absurdity just, it makes me feel like I have to, on some level, take it seriously to like it. Uh, and I can't do that. This guy has had quite a varied career. I'd like to add. Yeah. He, as I think I mentioned, became a motivational speaker for partying, which I guess people out there are like, first of all, who pays for a ticket for that? It's Andrew WK. Of course you'd pay for a ticket to that. But like, what's the target demo? I don't know. Andrew like, is WK it old people then? that don't know how to party and they go Maybe. and they. The other thing is um, he hosted a television show. It was a kid's show. On Cartoon Network. Can I get some Destroy, Build, Destroys in the chat, please? Yeah, Destroy, Build, Destroy in the chat, please. Destroy, Build, Destroy. And then, I, Lewis, I think I told you this, but it still is so funny to me. I want to say it was Ready to Die. He came out, because I think Ready to Die made its way into the most recent Hitman game. I believe. Yeah, I think it did. Mm-hmm. Some game. Oh, and Rage, Rage 2. Yeah, Rage 2. Okay, <laughs> so Rage 2, the epic uh, Rage 2 by Bethesda, they had him at E3 come out on stage and perform it for the audience. Now, bear in mind, the audience of E3 press conferences are, one, Bethesda employees, in the Bethesda one specifically, and two, press. And you have Andrew WK on stage screaming, ready to die. <laughs> And, and, no, and he is like going so hard and no one in the audience is even like blinking an eye yeah. <laughs> and it was the funniest juxtaposition i can imagine yeah i you know it's funny because i i i very much am not a fan of andrew wk's music but the guy is amazing i i i love him to death he's an incredible man and he, he's a gift to this earth um I, and I, you know, and it's funny because I feel like his music does at least reflect the personality he puts on in every single situation you'll ever see him in. So, I guess that's something too. But I, when you translate that musically, I just really don't think it goes over very well. It's kind of awful and obnoxious, and it hurts a lot. But it's funny. Yeah, I don't know in a situation where I would even put this on. Like, if I was having a party, I don't think I would put any of these songs on. <laughs> it would make... Nobody would be able to, like, pay attention to the party anymore. <laughs> like... Yeah. I watched him play Mario Party once, which felt very fitting. <laughs> okay, I think we can wrap this segment up. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, you go first. So I'll give my so generally my thoughts on this are like 
I, I do think it's dumb fun, and I do appreciate it for its dumbness, but it's not something that I would listen to, like, even more than once, honestly. I've listened to it once, and that's good enough. Every now and then I'll put on, like, Ready to Die or Party Hard just because it's funny to me. But for the most part, this album really isn't that good, and these songs are pretty terrible, <laughs> to be quite honest. But just for the enjoyment factor of it being kind of funny dub fun, I'll give it a right in the middle, probably a five. Mm. Yeah, I would. I don't think uh, I would recommend it necessarily either. Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> I, this I don't know if this is the first time I'm doing this. It probably isn't. But I'm gonna. Um, so I'm gonna give this album a two. Um, but I do recommend it. So I don't know if that's something I've done before. It probably has because I know we talked about like the room and Norm in the North and shit. But, um, but oh like, oh my god, <laughs> I just had flashbacks. <laughs> Sorry, um, it's like, it's um, yeah, I can't. I, I the thing is, I, I I can't appreciate it as dumb fun even because I think that like there, the, especially with Ready to Die, Ready to Die, like being as good as it is, because I actually think that song is like really great because it is so. Like, that to me is what, like, this album would probably have to be if I wanted to appreciate it as dumb fun. Like, something that outwardly stupid and absurd. And again, like I said, I just don't, I don't know if partying as a theme is going far enough. Um, It ends up just sounding like really bad party music. But for who, I don't really know. Like... Is this like party music for metalheads or something? I mean, if you turn this on at like a normal party, I think everyone would just leave. Uh, so I, I don't know. But yeah, the songs are fucking terrible. Some of them worse than others. Uh, you know, every now and again, there's like an okay melody that comes across. I think the chord progression in Party Hard is actually kind of kind of nice. Um, and the the but the 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 collection of sounds here being produced as absurdly loud as they are is just terrible. Like it's just, it's way too much and it never stops. And maybe, maybe that just saying it that way could get me to understand partially why people like it, but I, I, it's not, this is not for me. Uh, so yeah. Okay. Are we ready to move on to what you recommended to me, Steven? Yes. All right, go ahead. So, Louis, last time I recommended to you the independent game Limbo. Limbo is a puzzle platformer developed by Playdead that originally came out in 2010 during the Genesis, the golden era of Xbox Live Arcade. It's now made its way to pretty much every console ever. And with that, I will hand it back over to you. Okay, yeah, so um, this was an interesting game to play because I've been hearing about this for what feels like my whole life. And obviously it wasn't my whole life because the game came out in 2010, which sounds about right. But that's probably yeah. the extent of how much I can remember. And people have been talking about this game for a long time. In fact, in a way, I can't remember in my lifetime anyway, like being aware of, of or being on the Internet and seeing what people talk about in terms of video games and that kind of thing. Of people talking about an indie game in quite the same way people discussed this when this was big. And it almost feels to me, and I, I mean, I could be totally wrong about this. I could be totally off base. But it, it, fe- it feels to me like this was kind of the first of a lot of the really big indie game smashes. Like, not just indie game smashes, but like artsy kind of indie game stuff. Um, uh, for some reason, the only game that's coming to my mind right now is Undertale. But I'm sure you know what I mean when I say that. Um, yeah, it was in that same time frame as like Braid. Oh, yeah, Braid and is the other like- one. 
those early um what's that one where you're like a little guy with a oh fez it's like in that same time frame Mm -hmm. and it's um and playing through the game uh i found like a lot of the ideas here to be pretty remarkable considering that i don't know how many influences went into this in terms of other games that were quite like this but the first like section of this game is pretty stellar like it's really like it it has this first of all the art style is really cool because the game's just this stark black and white um but it's but it uses the way it uses shadows and light is so clever like it's not just a black and white game it's like more like shadows and light kind of thing where there's no color sure but what's making the 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 black and white is just the interplay between light and dark uh almost like a kind of almost like a noir in a way and the environment for that reason just feels so desolate and the game makes you feel so alone like even when you um even if you're not alone even if there's a creature with you or there's other people which um occurs at points like you still just feel like you're the only person in this entire world and it makes it really haunting and um, eerie. And I think the game does best, in my view, the, like the, by far the best thing about this game is that art style and the atmosphere that the game creates. Um, as well as the world building, too, which all of those things are so perfect in the opening section of this game. Like, the way that they introduce the new elements works to kind of explain elements of this world, but it still keeps it so mysterious. You really don't know where you are or what any of this is, but you know you you start to kind of get the gist of how this world operates. Like there are other people around, but everybody's just kind of surviving for themselves because they have to fend off against giant spiders and giant um flying bugs and just stuff like that. And you kind of see how the other people in this world lay traps to kill the creatures you come across. And those traps, then, you have to find a way around yourself. Um, and that whole sequence, I thought, was masterful. Yeah, I... So, I think that the strongest part of this game is actually the very beginning. The whole section where you have the spider... And the spider is constantly a nuisance to you, chasing you, doing various things to you. That part still like sticks out for me very vividly because it's so atmospheric and thrilling. And then the puzzle elements that you have to partake in to, to get around the spider are really good puzzle elements that kind of shape how the entire game is structured that the way that this game gets out of the gate, I think is one of the strongest opening segments of really maybe any game, to be honest. Yeah. It's amazing because again, it's like it, 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 it introduces every new element to this world, like in just the right way during this section, you know, you start and you're alone. Um, the only puzzles you come into contact with are purely environmental, like, oh, I can't get over this gap, I have to push something into it, or something like that. And you learn the mechanics of the game as you play it that way. But once you come into contact with the spider, you see, oh, shit, there's, like, something else that's here. 
And but I think, if I'm not mistaken, you come into contact with some traps before you see the spider, which is brilliant. Because it's like, why are people laying traps? And then you see why they're laying traps. And then after you come into contact with the spider, you see your first sight of other people. And the people are just trying to kill you. Like, they're laying traps that you can't get into their area. Um, until eventually you come into contact with the spider again. And you realize that they've been laying traps, one, for the spider... Um, and also later in the game for these maggots um, that infest people and cause them to behave erratically. Like they kind of control their direction, which you again, you come into contact with people who are infested before you get infested yourself. Like the game during this section, um, possibly even the entire first half of the game, at the very least first third, is so incredibly like structured. It's just so every single element is you see it one time and you're like, what is that? That makes you curious. And then you get the answer to what it is, um, which seems so simple. But again, like in a game like this, where all it's really trying to do above all else is provide this atmosphere and teach you about this world without ever telling you anything. Um, this is really just genius. But, um, you know, I, I also think that the puzzle solving during this section is like, easy but it's just hard enough in the sense that you might have to think for like a minute at most where you'll have to take in the environment that you're in when you're doing the puzzle which is really all that puzzles serve in this game i think is just to get you to take in that atmosphere more more than it really is to challenge you or make you think super hard um and all the puzzles really you know they do their job um in that in that sense is there anything else you want to say about the opening section of this game before I move on? Nope. Okay, then, then yeah. So I've been talking a lot about that because I think that's really this game's strongest suit. Um, there comes a point, though, when the game, when you enter a, I guess it's like a, a hotel. Like, it says hotel in big letters. And, and at this point, I think the games continue to build up these segments in such a genius way that when you get to this point, you're like, what a hotel. And after that point, it sort of turns into this like industrial environment that you're navigating. And the game just kind of stops building on itself at this point. Like it's just like now you're in this industrial environment and that's like the rest of the game, Um, which I found very disappointing actually, because once you enter this section, it really just becomes puzzle solving. And I mean, they introduce new elements to the puzzle, so the game keeps building. But it's like everything I think that the game did in the first section just kind of isn't there anymore once you reach this stretch. And it's still fine. I mean, the puzzles are still good. The puzzles get harder, so it becomes more interesting from that perspective. And there were some puzzles that made me think for a little while. Um, some that maybe you mess up on once, you're like, oh, I gotta go do it again. Nothing terribly hard. But it's still just like, I feel like the game really loses its sense of progression once you enter this environment. Yeah, I agree. I think that the second half, to me, this game has a very steep drop-off once you get to that second half. And this is something that I think they really fixed with the design of their follow-up title, which released within the last couple of years. The idea of this continual build to this final climax. Once it gets to the second half of this game, it kind of feels a little dreary in a way that's not exciting or invoking. It's just kind of like, 
the environment really isn't that ex- that entertaining. It's not as expansive as what the beginning of this game feels like. And even the puzzles are kind of like mostly block puzzles. You kind of lose the creativity of the things like you mentioned with the maggots and how that affects the world. There is some stuff with magnets. So maggots in the first half, magnet magnets. How do they work in the second half? But for the most part, that first half is just so strong and so impactful that it feels like there's something missing once you get to that back half. Yeah, and, and, and it is just kind of like even the puzzles don't really strengthen the environment like they were in the first half of the game, too. And it really does seem like when you get to the ending of this game, which I'm not even going to spoil, I don't see a point to. Um, I didn't make a spoiler tag also. Once you get to the ending of this game, it really, to me, felt incredibly unsatisfying <laughs> because I totally understand what it means in the context of the story here, what happens at the end. But it's like, it's just... It really makes you feel like everything you just did in that industrial environment was really not for anything. You know, it didn't serve to build the world. It didn't serve... I mean, it served to build the world for a little bit. But after a certain point, it didn't. And it didn't serve to really progress you anywhere except that to make the game longer. So when you get to the end, you got to the end, you know? And it's just like, okay. And and also, I think the ending doesn't strengthen the world building that even the first half did. Um... There's an, I'm trying to think about how to say this without giving anything away. There's like, there is a aspect to the world here that you already know about before you see the ending. So the ending doesn't add anything to your knowledge of the world. It just, it's just there. I feel like, I feel like. There is some, there is some symbology. I feel like you could read into it a little bit, but yeah, for the most part. It's pretty self-explanatory, I'll say, without yeah. spoiling anything. Yeah. I find One it... thing I do want to mention about the game quickly that we didn't hit yet is the sound design. That is one area that I think is incredible here. And it's very minimalist. For most of the for most of this game, there's really not much sound at all. It's just kind of ambient noise. But that the foley work in that ambient noise is really great. Yeah, and I and I will say one thing with the industrial section that I did like was the sound design there. Like the like again because the game is silent, there's like pretty much no music. The only music that ever is there is like brief ambient synth pads that occasionally play, really rarely though. Um, and in this industrial section, it, it does kind of bring out that dread because you're just hearing clanking and machinery the entire time, and maybe some water drips and stuff like that, which was uh, quite nice. You know, I, I will say this. I don't think that the tone of the game shifts dramatically in that section to the point where it, like, kills it or anything. The mood pretty much stays the same. It's just that it goes from being dreary and depressing and lonely in the right way, in a way that keeps you guessing and makes you kind of think about what, what you're doing, to just being dreary and lonely and depressing. And that's it, you know, like, which is, it's disappointing. Um, and I found it, it just made the game feel like it was starting to drag. And it's such a short game too, right? Like there's no reason you should be feeling like this game is dragging itself out. But like you really do. Um, which is a huge shame. Yeah, it's a huge shame. But. Oh, okay. So a couple gameplay elements though I did want to touch up on. Something that I really like about this game is the way it handles checkpoint systems. 
Because this is not the kind of game where you should ever be frustrated that you have to do something again. You know, like other puzzle games, that's how it should be. You should really be punished for losing. But I think this game's not about that. That's not the point. Like this game is really get up and go to see new things. And the checkpoint system, if you die or if you mess up a puzzle, it respawns you right at that point in the puzzle every single time without fail. Like to the point where all you have to redo is the thing you just messed up every single time, which I really liked because... Again, this game's about taking in the environment. The longer you have to spend in one place, the more you're, you're the more like you're gonna, the more, or I should say, the less you're actually gonna get out of it. Um, and I'm really glad that they thought that and they took that into consideration while they were working on it. You can really tell there was a really intentional and smart reason for setting up the checkpoint system the way they did. It was I really liked that. Um, and um, also, one other gameplay element that I really liked was I thought the maggot thing was really cool. That was like the last. Um, world-building element they introduced that kind of affected gameplay that I really liked. Um, there are these... So you, you find this uh, group of people infested with maggots, and they're, like, running after you, trying to kill you. And then eventually you get infested with maggots. And when this happens, the maggot will take you in one direction. You can't move in the other direction until the maggot hits a light source. Um, and they start integrating this with puzzle solving, and it is really cool. Like, I really enjoyed that. And basically, you, you, you can't get rid of that maggot until you come across a creature that will eat the maggot. And some of the puzzles ended up basically forcing you to find a way to get yourself in a position where they'd be able to eat the maggot. And I really liked that. I thought that was probably one of the strongest puzzle elements the game brought to the table. Yeah, and just in general, the, the puzzle elements here are really good. I think the best part about the puzzle elements, and this is not new by any means to this point, but the way that they introduce those puzzle elements and kind of walk you through them without actually tutorializing any of it is really strong. Yeah. Yeah, I think they, there's a very natural difficulty curve here. Like, and it, and it, and it really happens, too. Like, I, I did think with each puzzle, it did feel like the stakes were getting raised. Like, especially in that industrial section where they really just had puzzles, it did feel like each puzzle you were doing was a little bit harder than the last one. Um which was good. It, it gave you a good sense of progression. And I think that, again, I don't think any puzzle here was that tough. You're probably not going to spend more than like five minutes on any of these. But there were a couple where I was like, what do I do? You know, which is, which is, I guess, not really much. But again, I don't think this game is just a puzzle game anyway, so it's fine. Um, now, one thing I did want to talk about, and this is a problem I had with Inside too, their follow-up game, is I feel like sometimes I would become frustrated by i don't know what i want to call it even i don't know if i want to call it the platforming itself or the puzzles aren't necessarily hard so i think it has to be a function of some of the platforming like i always felt like with this game and with with inside one issue i had was that i feel like some of the controls are loose in a way that i don't enjoy um, and maybe this is more to talking to inside than it is to limbo but they're so similar that it kind of fits for Limbo as well, to where I would sometimes become frustrated with what felt like cheap deaths. And with a game like this, where really the whole point of the game is to take in that ambiance and to be immersed in the world, when you feel like you're, you're just like cheaply dying for whatever reason, it really takes you out of that experience. 
I would actually agree with you there. And this was something I forgot to mention because I kind of forgot about this. But you're totally right. Like, when you jump in this game, you just jump. You have no control over it. Like, it's like you're moving right, you hit up, and then he just goes. And it, the platforming becomes more about timing than it does about actually, like, setting up a jump or jumping or controlling the character. And there were, like, multiple times where it's just like, okay, really? Like, I'm seriously going to die? Like, I could have easily not died if I could just control the, the strength of my jump or, or anything. And I really don't feel like platforming should be one of this game's central challenges just because I didn't time the jump right. Um, and again, I mean, it's a good thing that the checkpoint system is so robust and so consistently close to, like, your death point. So I don't really remember myself getting terribly frustrated, but... It's definitely true that the controls of just platforming weren't even built for platforming, and yet you still have to do it. Yeah, and the other thing I would mention, and Lewis, I don't know if you felt this way, but it seems like the design of this game is built in such a way that it kind of expects you to fail before you succeed if that makes sense. And I know this happens a lot in Inside too, where you'll pretty much die the first time you try something just because you're not necessarily 100% aware of what the game is wanting you to do, either from a puzzle element or what have you. And that also can sometimes, I feel like, take me out of the experience with these titles. Now, I will say, and we didn't mention this, some of the death animations are incredible. Yeah. Like, but when you're watching them over and over in a very short period of time, it can get very frustrating. I can agree with that. I think they do some of the puzzles, even in the early game, actually. I remember this happening more in the early game than in the later game, actually, for this one. Where, like, they ba the puzzle basically just operates on trial and error. Like, you have to know how you can die to know how you can avoid the death. Um I, right, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I think, I don't know. I kind of disagree that that's a problem, to be honest. And maybe it's just because I don't remember ever getting frustrated with it. Um, I did at some points, not in that session of the game anyway, though. I feel like, for one thing, not only are the death animations incredible, but they are, like, some of the most dismal and dreadful death animations I've ever seen. <laughs> like, and, and maybe that's just because of the way the atmosphere works, but when you die, you feel it. It's like, oh, my God. Um because it's, like, brutal. It's just that you can't see anything. It's just shadows. But I liked that the game kind of forced me to interact with that. Because I think it 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 enhanced the stakes of the game. It made it feel more, like, serious. Um, and and I, I liked that some of the puzzles... I don't think every puzzle relied on trial and error um, in terms of death, anyway. I mean, every puzzle, to some degree, might rely on that. But, but the ones that did, I thought, probably deserved to. Um, I see what you're saying, but I don't know. It didn't bother me. So do you have anything else to add or should we wrap it up? Not really. I think we can wrap it up. Well, a short episode, but yeah. Um, so if I had to think of a score for this game, I, I liked all of it. Um, now the degree to which I liked it was incredibly lopsided. Like, the beginning of this game is, I, I want to say, immaculate. Like, almost flawless. It was like, it was, 
it was like really drawing me in. It really kept me guessing. It was beautiful, but in like the saddest and most lonely way possible. And it did such an incredible job building that atmosphere and building the world. Um, whereas the rest of the game was basically a series of pretty solid puzzles that were enjoyable enough to complete. Um, and that's about it. So I, I'm going to give the game a 7. Um, I don't want to go lower because I think even the stuff that disappointed me I still think was pretty good. It just didn't match the expectations at the beginning of the game set up. But I mean, those expectations were crazy high. Um, so would I recommend this game? I mean, would I recommend you play it? I mean, I don't know. Like, this is a game I feel like you could probably honestly just watch on YouTube and you'd get the same experience. Um, so if you don't want to buy it or... Because I don't know if it's free anymore. If you don't want to buy it or whatever, you don't want to sit down and play it, then you don't have to. But you can do that too. I would say it's worth it. You know, it's a short game. And at the very least, it's worth it for the beginning section, which is really something else. Like, that really, really impressed me. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'll say about that. Yeah, and I agree. I, I put it about the same level, about a 7. Pretty much mimicking your, your thoughts. I, I'm definitely not as hot on this or their follow-up as I think a lot of people are or tend to be. I think for one of the first kind of artsy indie games that, like what this did for the independent video game industry is incredible. I don't think that can be overstated, to be honest. But from the gameplay standpoint, from just the game itself, I give it also about a seven. As you mentioned, that first part to me is just, its I mean, it still sticks with me to this day. It's been like nine years since I've honestly played this game. I played it when it came out, and I still every now and then think about that segment because it's so good. But I definitely would recommend everyone trying it, for sure. I mean, it's pretty cheap these days, now that their follow-up is out. In fact, I think you can even get this and their follow-up bundled. I will note, if you are going to play their follow-up, the games are pretty much identical, to be honest, from a gameplay perspective. But they did a lot of things in the second one that kind of tweaked this existing formula. And is that all we have to say about that? Yep. All right, well, let's move on to the recommendations. Uh, I'll go first. So, Stephen, I want to recommend you the album 20 Jazz Funk Greats by Throbbing Gristle. This album is made up of 20 Jazz Funk Greats. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. What do you And have is it me? by Throbbing Gristle? It is, in fact, by Throbbing Gristle. Okay. It, it, go, you go so, ahead. I got you. So, Lewis... For you, I'm going to recommend another video game. So I guess next week's episode, or next uh, bi-week's episode is going to be very similar to this week's episode. But I'm going to recommend to you The Binding of Isaac. The Binding of Isaac is an Edward McMullen? Is that right? That's his name, right? I think so. Edward McMullen? Edward McMillan, sorry, Edward McMillan game. It was actually originally a game developed in the Game Jam that was kind of stealth released. It was a follow-up to a very popular title, Super Meat, Meat Boy, and then Super Meat Boy. It was originally a Flash game and has since kind of evolved from there. Uh, Lewis, I guess, just for the sake of anyone playing at home, I would say that 
we'll probably talk about Afterbirth Plus, which is the most recent version of the game. It went through a whole bunch of iterations, had an expansion originally, then was remade as Rebirth and had a whole bunch of things there, then had two expansion DLCs, essentially. So as we talk about it, we'll technically be talking about The Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus. And that's what I recommend to you for next time, Lewis. All right, sweet. Well, I guess that just about does it. Um, I don't know if we have anything to say to the audience here other than thanks for watching our short episode today. I think it went pretty well. Yeah, can we just give ourselves a pat on the back? We did yeah. a great job today. Thank you. I want to hear it. I thank you, hear, everyone. I want to hear that pat. Come on. All right. Nice. Thank you. Nice. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> um, anyway. I think You're too it. kind. Thank you. I, 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 I think that's it, right? Unless I'm, well, um, yeah, that is, that is in fact it. Uh, well, yep, and just one quick thing. We're still on CastBox, correct? We are still on CastBox. This episode will be up on there shortly. Um, just get the app. That's free, I think. <laughs> yep, it makes it easier if you want to, If first of all, if you probably miss our episode. Um, also, if you want to listen to our episode while you're in the car or something like that, it's you can, you can download them. It's a little easier than paying for YouTube premium. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> all right. Well, with that, those were our thoughts. Those were our recommendations. Get wrecked. <laughs>